Welcome back to your favorite sleepover fandom podcast. We are Fandames with Parks and Nebula, and today's a super special episode because we have a guest at our sleepover. We have Trey Watson. What's up, Trey? Hey, how's it going? Nice to be here. We're so glad to have you. This is you're the first guest ever for our podcast. Ooh, so what an honor. You're extra special. Well, <laughs> technically, we've had one half guest for 10 minutes because we said something wrong and got immediately corrected by her partner who busted into the recording room. Ooh. That's but... true. I recorded a closet and he like threw open the door and said, that is not right. What are you talking about? Like, oh, God. <laughs> it was a very heated debate about Hal's Moving Castle and the fact that <laughs> there was too much happening in the background for it to be considered good. Um <laughs> Heated hey, debate. I mean. Heated debate. But whatever. Um, <laughs> Which said partner, he's a gigantic fan of your stuff. And Doom Eternal is like his favorite game of all time. Oh. He's like, I listen to Hellquire on repeat all the time. So Ooh, that one, I had to. That doesn't get brought up on much. behalf That's of him. Awesome. <laughs> no, he's absolutely obsessed with it and loves it. So I had to I had to let him know that, that I would tell you. I'm glad. <laughs> awesome. Perfect. All right. Fan, fangirling's out of the way. <laughs> It's not. I got, <laughs> I'm just going to say right now, I got cussed the fuck out when I, like, my friend group is, like, obviously big fan of your work. Um, they're big, they always have been. And so when I said, hey guys, I'm just going to say it. Um, the day we DM'd you, one of our other podcasts of someone we're a huge, both me and Neb are a huge fan of, they went and were talking about, like, guest spots at conventions and podcasting. And if you want to get into industry circles, you can't just be, like, timid and not make any steps forward. And so I messaged Neb. I was like, what if we just fucking ask people to be guests? Like, what, what's the worst thing you're going to say? Say no. And so I messaged my friend Ryan, who's now in your Discord server. Um, you are talking to him yesterday. Mm -hmm. I messaged him. I was like, what if I just asked Trey Watson to be a guest on the podcast? And he said, you need to take baby steps, like slow down. An hour later, you say yes. And I messaged him like, guess what I fucking did? <laughs> I got cussed out. He was mad at me, like green with envy, mad at me. So thank you for this opportunity to <laughs> talk to you um, kind of personally. And then, you know, bragging rights over our, our friends and oh, partners. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, let's get started with... Kind of the base. I know your work. Neb isn't as familiar. She's getting. She was getting familiar for prep. She's gotten to talk to you. But for everybody else, how did you get started in the music industry? What was kind of your first strive into doing so? So, um, it's kind of weird. Like, I guess I still kind of feel like I'm pretty new to this whole scene. But, um, back, I, I'd say maybe 2009. Um, there was a style of music called Gent that was starting to get really popular. It's music influenced by a band called Mashuga. uses lots of weird time signatures and funky sounds. Uh, I used to hang out on a bunch of internet metal forums making that stuff. That didn't really do much for like getting into the scene, but I kind of developed from there. And sometime around, I guess, 2015, 2016, my name started getting passed around a little bit more as a vocalist. I entered a contest for a band called Bro Job, who, uh, yep. yeah, <laughs> Bro Job did a, uh, a vocal contest and people were just kind of submitting their vocals. I did one and I think I made it to the final round. I think I came in third place. I don't remember. It's been a, been a bit from then, but that started getting people talking about me vocally at that point, I think 
around 2018, 2019, my friend Tane messages me about Mick Gordon looking for metal vocalists for this thing, for the Doom Eternal Hell Choir. I told him no, because I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get picked. It's not worth it. Forget it. And he tells me, if you don't submit it, I'm going to submit for you. (laughs) (laughs) And to my surprise, out of like 5,000 people who entered, I got selected. So did you end up submitting yourself? I I, I submitted myself. (laughs) Okay. Ironically enough, I think it was my entry to the bro job contest that I sent in. And that's what got me called in. I mean, if it got you so far before, who doubts it could get you there right, again, right? Right, exactly. And it worked. It was dope. Um, Getting to meet a whole bunch of people, like, bigger names than <laughs> I was at the time, still, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think from there, I just started, like, trying to, like, ironically enough, you're talking about, like, wanting to reach out to people and just seeing what they say. Mm-hmm. I would just start making stuff and just grab people and be like, yo, do you want to collab? Like, what's the worst they're going to do? Say no? Yeah. yeah basically. So exactly. right around that time, actually, when I went to uh, what is it? When I went to Texas for Doom Eternal, I got messaged by Jonathan Young, another cover artist on YouTube, and he goes, "So hey, you scream really well. Do you want to do a cover of Justin Bieber's Baby with me?" <laughs> it, it's still on YouTube. You can look it up. It was, it was fun. Oh no, I've seen it. I love it. <laughs> that that went on and caught the attention of uh Captain Flowers, who's a caster from the LCS, really good buddy of mine now. I'm really glad to be friends with him. Um I got him to collaborate with me on a cover of Giants. Yeah. That caught the attention. Yeah, it, and I it's just like cover. this seems to just be domino after domino. Like that catches the attention of Preco, who's one of the main writers. Well, he was one of the main composers for a lot of Pentakill and other League of Legends songs. He's actually now the head writer for Arcane, the new se- the series that's coming out. So Christian is awesome. I love the dude to death. Um, mm-hmm. He just grabs me randomly. And this dude, the, this is the way he does things. It's not even like an asking. He goes, he DMs me and goes, so, um, yeah, I definitely want you to be part of Pentakill. I don't know how we're going to make that happen yet, but we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like where everything starts from there, actually like working in the industry. Uh, the same day I got laid off from my office job, I got pulled in to work with Pentakill. Oh my god. Really lucky, right? <laughs> that timing's impeccable. Oh, it's but... great. And that's that's pretty much, well, I guess that's all I can talk about for now, but as far as yeah. Pentakill. But like, yeah, I started with that, and uh, that's how I got my start working in music and in games too, so... Which is such a smooth yeah. coast. It's like, I'm already working for Riot doing it's this thing. Wild. I'll do LCS too. Who cares? Whatever. Oh, it totally. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, I like it. I'm glad they're reusing their resources. Like, we already have you here. It, oh, it totally but was. Totally. This one's not from the flow. It's just my own site. Um, you are a multi-instrumental, like, artist, right? I am. So did that influence, like, just for the sake of, like, the performance even for Split, were you put there in that position because of your choice or did they just say we need someone who can do this because you are aren't you composing overall for a lot uh, yes. of pentakill three so okay yeah for, so you're overall doing most of the music but then also for performance wise yeah. was there anything that influenced where you went uh so realistically the thing that i'm usually billed as on anything is either guitar or vocals because that's just what people tend mm-hmm. to associate me with so i think for that you know yorn is already there Jorn Landa's yeah. a legendary name. They're not going to put me there doing anything vocal-wise. So they're just like, yeah, let's put Trey there and let him play guitar. Because originally, 
trying to think if I'm actually like how much I'm actually supposed to say about yeah. that. But um, I think originally the plan was not to have me there. I think it was just partially because of COVID constraints, you know, mm-hmm. getting a lot of people together in an area in the middle of COVID, especially in California where it's like really bad. It was rough. But Christian, once again, we had a meeting about it. Christian basically goes, that's bullshit. We're going to fight for you to get there. And it happens. So, um, yeah, but I think once I got there, they just wanted, I think they wanted to have the full standard band set up, two guitars, one bass, drums, keyboard, vocals. So I just filled what they needed and guitar was it. Which is really convenient considering that's what you do. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. So... We didn't actually do, like, a full intro, so people who are listening might not know, like, all of your background, but um, I was turned on to your stuff because Parks made it known to me that you're a queer artist, and Parks and I are both queer creators, um, and I would love to ask what kind of obstacles you faced as a queer creator specifically, um, and more specifically a musician, because I know that's still kind of like a tradition-dominated field (laughs) um, while getting started with all of this. So that's an interesting one. Um... Obviously, being more, like, masculine presenting, I haven't run into too many issues, but they they definitely still exist, especially, I, I, I guess, metal in general and, like, metalcore community-wise. They're very, like, dude-centric. There's a lot of male-coded language, and uh, it, that's, a, that's a hurdle that I still kind of deal with. My, my YouTube comment section is loaded with it among other things that I'm not going to get into, but <laughs> yeah. Cause I know like also metalcore is unfortunately very white centric oh, too. Yeah. And there's like the whole weird movement of like goth and metal is only white. And so I can't imagine having all that piled on top of queer creator obstacles. <laughs> it's been a mess. Like thankfully for me, most of my, most of the actual hurdles I've run into have been just kind of being interpreted legitimately as a queer artist it's just kind of like that kind of actual like legitimacy tends to be hard fought for me just because of the way i present and the way that people interpret me in the world in general but uh especially since the pentakill performance i've kind of just been more forward about it previously i'd been pretty quiet but now i'm just kind of making sure i put my foot down about it and thankfully a lot of the time it's really well received and people are generally like very accepting that's awesome. I also identify as non-binary. So, and I'm like of the quiet type where I'm like, no, it's cool. You don't have to say anything. So I really appreciate how direct and forward you are with everything. It, it took a while to be comfortable with it. I'm telling you, like, I feel like realistically, I didn't start being forward until this year. Like previously people were just like, oh yeah, thanks dude, bro, man, guy all the time. And I'm just like, cool. Thanks. Yeah. Well. <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's, I'm glad that it's gone that way. So I know like a lot of other stuff that we're into also is weirdly gatekeepy like that in general, particularly to like the weeb culture and fandoms in general. And I know that you're also a giant weeb like we are considering, I think your discord was named Trey Watson's anime den. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like anime emporia or something. I love it. Do you have any particular games or anime or any other like nerd media that's really influenced you on your career path? Well, one, if it's not super obvious from like the videos that I've done, 
I am a huge sucker for the Yakuza series. I am like borderline obsessed with Yakuza. <laughs> Anything that is like Ryuga Gotoku related, I'm all over it. Actually, to the point where I do have a working relationship with Sega now. I have done a cover of Hell Stew from Yakuza Like a Dragon, the new game, for them. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. I didn't realize that was for <laughs> them at the time. It was pretty awesome. Like, I went back and looked, but that's one of my favorite covers I, I love done. it. It was cool getting Caleb and Rich for that, too. It had to have been. It's it's awesome. Um, okay, this mm-hmm. is a sidebar. How do you pronounce Rich's full name? I have, I've said it so horribly. Like, I mean, his name years. is... I have never called like, him anything but Rich, because that's his name. I, I don't know how you would pronounce it. <laughs> don't ask questions. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like Rich, Rich Richie, R- R- Richard, Richard. I, 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 <laughs> I, no I do idea. not know. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm glad Jerry's I'm not totally alone out on that one for me too. <laughs> I'm sure at some point I'll actually like head down to Irvine, California, and I'll have him actually tell me. But until that happens, I guess when it does, I'll let you know. Uh, amazing! I look forward to it. So. I guess we kind of already dabbled on this question with the first one, just kind of going in. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like, for the most part, from just looking at your own history from my own standpoint, from being a listener early on to other people who are just probably now... Like, I've introduced people to your music as is. I've introduced Neb. I've introduced a few friends from the Nerdtastic Galaxy um, fan names Discord to you. And so, kind of on that leap, like, you were already making music for yourself. Mm. Um, you were already doing early covers on, even of just, like, general rock yep. music, which was really great. Um, I love your Rage Against the Machine cover you've done, all of that. But what was kind of the difference between wanting to change and more, kind of, I guess, in your covers versus your normal composing? Mm. Where have you felt like you've had to adapt in terms of making it for games? Or, like, with Pentakill, where you're working with a fictional band, where it's not really, I guess, hold on, I have to kind of elaborate on this question <laughs> a little bit more, because in terms of, like, if you compare KDA to Pentakill, KDA is more focused on specifically the characters, whereas, like, with former Pentakill performances, we only have one music video mm. for them, but we've seen performances from them from the past, from Worlds, and from when you were performing at Split, um, just... How different is it having to compose for games where there's, like, that over-imposing theme or, like, for Pentakill where you're a character, per se? That actually is really interesting. It's So, writing for myself and writing for covers are kind of a thing where, like, I don't really have to be beholden to, like, a particular idea, a particular idea of where I want to write. Direction just kind of exists where it is. But... You're right. KDA's whole thing is, first of all, little little inside baseball. A lot of the instrumentals, and I think all of the instrumentals for the most recent KDA were done by one person. Yeah, really? That's, like, oh, I think wow. all of the instrumentals for KDA were done by Sebastian Najong, who is... Specifically for the EP, yeah. like all five songs, all, all the, the instrumentals? All the songs on the EP were all done by Sebastian. Absolute genius of a person i don't know how he did all that on his own it's crazy but for usually the idea is to kind of i think for that one the idea was to highlight each character (laughs) so what i did and a lot of what we were doing for the new stuff with pentakill was actually 
we were kind of unguided. We were sort of unsupervised. We have uh, Toa Dunn, who was the head of Riot Music, overseeing everything. But we were kind of given free reign to kind of think how we're composing. For me, I wanted to kind of, we all kind of had the idea to kind of pick genres and tell a story with them. So we all kind of went, you know, here's our general wash of like what styles we want to take, but also we have a mood flowing through everything we were writing that kind of especially influenced me to kind of be like, normally there's a term in like progressive metal and other metal genres where like people just write a good, really hooky riff and they'll write and link it right into another and another and another. And it's called riff salad. That does not necessarily a good song make, you know what I mean? We really did have a whole kind of like thing in our notes as we're writing about like avoiding riff salad and trying to think like dynamics, take a small verse, something that's really good. And we wanted choruses to be big and hooky and something you'd want to sing along to. So it's not something I normally do, but I think I'm going to start doing it from now on because I liked that process. It's normally being in my scene. I did a lot of writing for metal nerds, people who usually play an instrument. So they're listening to hear that instrument and what they're listening to. But there was a huge emphasis on having the listener in mind and not just like an instrumentalist as a listener, but someone who doesn't play anything just wants to listen to good music. And I think that's really what we all tried to achieve. And I think we did realistically. So can I ask, um, within, obviously you're under an NDA yeah. for riot. That's it's a fucking riot. You're going to be choking. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> when it comes specifically to Pentacle three, which I, it's already been confirmed, not by you, but by everybody else, that it's going to happen. We don't know when, but it's going to happen. Were, how many people who are writing now on it were the same people writing on Petskill 1 and 2? So, um, what I can say, out of, you know, there are specific members that I can't name, because NDA, mm-hmm. but the original Pentakill was uh, Christian, Eugene, who was our bass player and has been the bass player throughout all of it, Yorn as their singer, and they've got a few here and there's like ZP Thark, Danny Loner, and some other people. That carried over a little bit into two. They also brought in Nora from Battle Beast. For Pentakill 3, oh, they also have uh, Mike Pittman and Rich Thompson, who are the guitarists who performed with me on stage. They are with me again for Pentakill 3. So the, the people that I know that I can mention who are writing are me, Eugene, Mike, Rich, and Christian. We are all part of that. And obviously, Yorn is going to be a part. I'm thinking there's maybe about two to three more people, potentially four, mm-hmm. depending on how, like what what capacity you want to say they're in. But yeah, we, we've got, there were a good eight or nine people who poured work into this, and it really shows. It's really awesome. So it's safe to say Pentakill 3 will sound still in tune with the same kind of characterization that the first two albums had, but still sounding extremely fresh with the new styles that you're bringing I'd in, I'd say that's right? fair to say. But, uh, I mean, I was brought in for a reason. Yeah, no. Sp- that, that's all I'm going to say. So. I know about your deleted tweets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> I guess since that is a thing that is out there, yeah, I had a tweet the first day. I mentioned that, you know, I was pulled in because of the particular style of music I write in, the the whole gent style. 
and I was brought in for that purpose. I can't mm-hmm. say what or in what capacity that's going to be, but... But we're going to hear I'm it. I'm sure. I mean, really, if you listen to the performance in April, there is... I mean, we're playing eight-string guitars tuned super low. There's a lot of that. Mm-hmm. It's flying around everywhere. I love that performance. I'm so glad that that came up naturally in conversation because Parks put in our notes originally, she's like, I got to ask about this tweet. I'm like, I don't think you should ask about I'm going to ask about tweet. the goddamn tweet. It's, it's been immortalized in articles. It's not like I have it like in my brain. I saw this tweet. Yeah. I will get your ass. It's been in articles. So, I mean, did that tweet get you in trouble at all? Or is that just like, I should probably get rid of this just as my own? So, I mean, when I made that tweet, I was pretty much... Uh, I thought it was fine because I wasn't the one told, like I was told to make that tweet. The original plan was we wanted to kind of be a little more open, but that's not necessarily a good business decision. So we, uh, I was told to say it before I was told to take it down. Basically just one person, one side says this another side says that, but no, I definitely did. Uh, I made the tweet and immediately got a phone call being like, maybe take down the tweet. And I'm like, Oh God, Oh God, I'm going to get fired. Oh no. Oh no. Uh, oh no. In hindsight, bad idea. <laughs> yeah, understandable. And then one more question just on the Pentacle topic specifically. Mm. Um, what's it like getting to work with Yorn? Like, <sighs> was that something? Because obviously, so with, with your background, it's got to be understandable that, like, with certain things, you're going to be a little starstruck. Was Yorn one of those cases? So it's an interesting one. Like, I think maybe when I was, like, a little bit younger i would have been a little more starstruck and that's not to say anything about yorn as a person i think i'm just kind of like Mm. i have fully ingrained in myself that like no matter how big you are you're just a person but no it was absolutely awesome like getting to actually meet yorn and work with him i mean he's been doing this for a long time dude really knows what he's talking about and also you know i guess a lot of other singers talk about how sometimes they'll need some pitch correction and stuff like that you know no secrets. I definitely do sometimes when I'm doing my recordings. That dude manages to like nail it every time. He is like nuts. That's wild. So, is there anybody that like total like no money's no object? You can talk to anybody in the world. Is there anyone that you would absolutely die to work with? Like, just you've dreamed about it since you started, or anyone that you've looked oh, up to so for many. years that you would love to work on a track? So many names just hit my head. I don't even know which one to say. <laughs> oh no. You can say as many as you want. I'm just really curious. Well, um, I guess really, like, if money were no object, I want to work with Thundercat. I oh, am yes. such a huge nerd for Thundercat. The dude makes so much amazing music. He also just knows, like, on top of knowing, like, hip-hop and R&B landscapes, which, you know, I grew up in, he was the bass player for Suicidal Tendencies for a really long time. He knows metal, too. It's awesome. He, he mm-hmm. is so cool. It's so funny that you say that because Parks and I just watched his episode of Hot Ones together, like, last week. <laughs> it's because she didn't really know about the full music video for Dragon Ball Durag, yes. so it kind of just spiraled. I, I didn't, I just heard his music and I didn't really know much about him as a person, and Parks is like, we're going down this oh, yeah. rabbit hole, so I'm glad that you're also in I this rabbit hole I am such a us. huge fan. Like, if there was an aesthetic I had ever hoped to, like, employ in my real life, I just want to be more like Thundercat, honestly. Don't we all? I mean, with where you're going, you may as well be able to shoot your shots. Hell yeah. We all we all need a little ashy daddy in our lives. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, damn it. (laughs) Wrong, wrong second to take a sip. Um, Fuck. Um, So 
kind of in the same tune. So I guess we kind of also asked this naturally as it came, um, just in terms of like where you've been going career wise. But what was the leap from wanting to do like, we're working with Pentakill, obviously, Riot thought you knew your shit. So you were just brought in to do all of the LCS broadcasting, editing, stuff like that. But what was kind of like your own choice that was like, well, I'm already doing this, like, may as well just start doing all this editing. Like, were you already super, super interested in LCS beforehand? So, I followed LCS. Um, When I was in college, I actually helped uh, coach, like, a collegiate team. I wasn't (laughs) good at the game. I was just good at helping people work together, but that's, it's a useful skill. And, I mean, it's not going to be a super glamorous uh, answer, but, I mean, really, it was just my contract ended. I didn't have a job. I needed a job. I applied, you know? (laughs) Fair enough. I mean, you've already proven, like, with them, you know how to mix you with your YouTube background, which, has that helped you? I think that was what it was. Um, Talking to my supervisor, Denise, now, that was one of the things that I kind of boasted. I was kind of like, you know, I do know how to cut stuff. My specialty is music videos, but I can kind of work on anything. She took a look and was like, oh, wow, no, no, I think think you'll work. So, it works out. (laughs) Smooth. I think, like, even though it's not glamorous, that's really important to say, though, because a lot of, especially, like, younger creators kind of have it in their head that you meet one person and then everything lays out perfectly. And whenever we are looking up stuff for your questions, we're like, they've got a LinkedIn. Like, this is great. Like, they're a real professional. (laughs) And I think think it's important to to definitely, yeah, you need to get a LinkedIn, dude. (laughs) But I also think it's important to let younger people know that, that like sometimes you just put in an application oh, and absolutely. send an email and that's where you get a big start. I mean, for me, it's literally like, so, you know, I guess a little bit tangential to all of the conversation, but I didn't really start doing anything until I was 30. I spent like from age 18 to 30, I spent all of that time in undergrad at three different colleges. But during that, I just kind of learned like, there are ways to go about things and like no option should really be exhausted. And sometimes it really is just as simple as you just, whether sending a resume or sending like a DM on Twitter or an email, sometimes you just shoot your shot and it'll work. Yeah, for sure. Another thing that really helps a good friend of mine who I used to hang out with back in local shows kind of helped me think through like what my skills are. And if you have a friend who really helps you frame your skills, it's super, super important. She is, like, another, like, galaxy brain genius when it comes to especially, like, organizing stuff. So I had her help me, like, look over my resume and, like, do it. And the one thing that she did that kind of helped me, I guess, compartmentalize where my skills are, she kind of just made little progress bars on my resume as, like, little graphics with just, like, a block from 1 to 10 and, like, how strong you feel on them. And apparently that really makes a difference, not just for like, if you're sending out a resume somewhere and someone looks at it, but for yourself to kind of assess your own skills. If you feel like, you know, oh, I can't, you know, I know enough about this that I'd say I'm like a solid six. You can write that down as a cursory knowledge and that gets you somewhere. Mm. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah, having the skill to admit it is is the biggest part of it. And I know like, we're all ex-gifted children, (laughs) but I think it's super important that like you mentioned you were an undergrad for basically 12 years of your life and that's a really big reality for a lot of people and you can still be crazy successful not only from a career standpoint from like a personal standpoint absolutely and i like yeah 
And being able to admit, like, I can't do this one thing, but I can sure as hell do this other thing, that's a really And the other thing that I make sure you always say, or at least maybe that's just me, but I, even, like, in my interviews, if there's a skill that I don't feel strong on, I will always say, I can learn. You always can. And also, the whole, the 12 years thing, you talk about, like, colliding or, like, intersecting with, like, doing things that are, like, success-oriented. The Doom Eternal stuff happened in my last semester of college. I had to ask my Japanese professor, my theater professor, and, like, other people to, like, let me leave for a week and not go to class so that I could actually go be in a video game. That's literally what I told them. My Japanese professor was like, That's what awesome. game? When I said Doom, she's like, oh, yeah, my son plays that game. Yeah, go ahead. I'm like, oh, all right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so can I ask, I already, like I said, I did my research and I already knew your career. So I've been like, I've been watching as you've gone on. I think I've been watching you for the last like three years, Uh, more intently the last like one specifically since Pentacle started, because I'm going to embarrass myself here. I was never a big metalhead. I think the closest I've gotten was I had to argue, defend my case that I listened to Rammstein and technically, technically early Rammstein is considered prog metal. I can see that. It is. I mean, like eighties night, like er, like late eighties, early nineties. Rammstein yeah. can totally be considered prog because of what the genre was at the time. Yeah. People will fucking chastise me for this. They're like, "No, it's not. It's like goth rock. You're being stupid. Fuck off." I'm like, please, just let Get me have this. <laughs> I have a whole like loud sounds can sometimes really, really shake my head, mm. and so it was a hard time. But because you were doing, like, anime covers and stuff, it was already things I was familiar with, so I was able to just, like, okay, this is good. This is my good, like, baby step in of, like, I need something familiar, because I'm a very lyrical person. Mm. That's why my music taste is shit. Um, <laughs> it's, I'm a very lyrical person, so when I know the lyrics from being covers, I can relate them more to the music, and that was kind of my baby step into getting more into, like, early Penskill hmm. stuff, which, I mean, helped because I'm a League fan. I'm a, I used to be a Sona main back in the day. Um, stuff like that. And so, I guess being able to follow your career through there, how many, like, times did you have to go through school? And what were they... I mean, we already kind of established 12 years, three undergrads. Yeah. But what were you really going for? Like, what was your initial game plan, really? And what made you kept restarting? So, um, my original game plan was actually to... I was kind of... bouncing back and forth between like social sciences and history, which is funny because like, I swear, like my, my whole college tenure is literally bookended by the same things. Basically started in that, uh, I went to Towson university left early because I couldn't hack it. It was a little too expensive. Um, went to a community college and graduated with an associate as a music major. It's funny because as I was studying music, there weren't enough staff for the music department. So I would, I would take Mm. a class. It would automatically drop. It got to the point after year two that I started being in people's offices and they didn't like that. I ended up getting most of the music majors to get their associates. And a lot of people were no longer there. (laughs) I then went to, uh, UMBC to study music. Originally went for music tech specifically, actually. That's kind of where I got a lot of like my video and Foley skills. That's really where I kind of cut my teeth on it due to a few different things, which I'm kind of kind of skip over because a little they get a little personal. Mm-hmm. Um, I left the major, wasn't sure what to do for a year and kind of remembered what I originally went to college for and decided, you know, 
I'm interested in history and culture. I also speak Japanese. I had taken it in high school, still remembered enough that I actually could skip a couple classes and decided to finish a degree in Asian studies. So that's actually where my de- I have like my BA in Asian studies with a double minor in Japanese language and music. So that's, that's where awesome. I ended up at the end of it. But <clears throat> a lot of that was uh, originally just kind of like having an idea, having it changed and refusing to kind of let that stop me. And that's also why, mm-hmm. like when you were talking about like going back with a different idea, I'm like, that sounds exactly like me. Like you're, you're, you, it's a different path, but you're still doing what you want to do. Like you're still going yeah. for what you want to do. So yeah, absolutely do it. And also taking the, uh, taking the music minor was also just me being like, I'm not, I'm not leaving without taking those credits. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. I work for them. <laughs> Let's find our questions. Should back. we like do our episode more? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> hey, it's all good. We're having fun. Like I said. Oh man. <laughs> I totally didn't ask this because I, I started it and then I immediately went elsewhere. Um, what was your favorite song that you've worked on, either your own cover or you know? I, I mean, mean, you kind of answered this earlier, but like can't can't really mention Pentakill, but no, 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 everything else. Yeah. So I will say Pentakill was dope. I think I wrote some of my best stuff for that, so I'm excited for that. But um, out of the ones that I've really put out recently, actually, I guess uh, for covers, the one that I think I had the most fun with was uh, recently Villain, actually. That, that ca- like, Villain was, like, one of my favorite songs off of KDA, and getting to really, like, get into that low, broody attitude is always so fun. But, um... Out of my own original music, I do have two for different reasons. Um, the one that I've done on my own is uh, Bakemono. Yeah, I love that one. <laughs> so that is like the truest representation of like who I am as a musician. I was mm-hmm. raised in hip hop. I love trap music. That is like my thing. And I rap really well like actually if you kind of like dig around on soundcloud or even on youtube i've collaborated with a youtuber uh game boy jones we did a attack on titan rap and i'm doing the back half of it where i'm literally rapping and screaming over a trap beat and people were like blown away by it i i love that but all right i have to go look that up i'll link it in the discord for you um oh thank you but yeah, and just getting, like, a bunch of my other friends who do both hip-hop and, like, metalcore, deathcore stuff, just getting to be like, this is just what we do. This is fun. Mm-hmm. I don't hear it a lot. I don't see people doing it. And this is, like, to me, that was, like, my first little, like, baby step of, like, representing my style. And the next one is actually the same thing, basically. Same stylistically. But I did that with uh, my friend Anthony DiGiacomo, who is... Great mixing engineer, good friend. His product, uh, his project and circle did a song called Instability. And that's also, I think that's listed under originals on my YouTube where we just did that together. That was one of the ones where we got to do a song that's got like a really clear verse, chorus, like actual song structure that was like mm-hmm. huge and sounded amazing. He wrote such a good song that lyrics just kind of came naturally. Also, Kind of dorky because they're partially referencing Berserk a ton. I'm also like a huge <laughs> fan of Berserk. I am so sad that Kentaro Miura is gone now. But like, I got to really just go in on that song. And like, those represent, I guess I like them because they feel the most like me as a musician. 
that that is like all I'm about. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm not gonna like really ask if you've gotten pushback for those style mixes because I've seen your YouTube comments and I know that sometimes you have. But I mean, <laughs> shit happens, and if you're happy with it, like. Obviously, it's hard to say, like, who cares, because these people are basically harassing the fuck out of you, because, you know, oh, no, you rapped over song. Oh, God, metal. You know, people shitting their minds because they can't handle that people can mix it. It's kind of like, not to fucking reference, like, Lil Nas X, but when he went and did that in country music, people fucking shit themselves. They couldn't fathom it. Like, oh, yeah. Especially with rap, and there's always going to be that racial bias against any sort of rapper if whatsoever. If you try so to mix weird. that with anything that's a white-centric genre, it's going to get pushed back. You're going to be fucking called, like, Kanye West, even though you're not even fucking doing anything related. Oh, man. It sounds like I you told you, I've, have, I've you, seen your you've comments. I've definitely seen some of the comments. <laughs> I'm in some of your old comments. I'm not going to fucking fl- throw my old, like, oh, user under the bus, but I'm in some of your old comments. So, yes, I've seen them. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. It's horseshit oh, that people... It, yeah. I have so many feelings about this topic because oh, Trey, I'm from o- I'm from Oklahoma, so I'm in the the worst of the worst. Oh, no. I'm so and sorry. it's like, oh thanks, I, it means the world. <laughs> I remember like when I was going through my driver's test and, as a high schooler, like all the instructors would only play country rap, and then Lil Nas X came on the scene, and everyone's like, "Fuck this guy! What's going on with this?" Like. You guys have been listening to white guys trying to rap over country music for 10 years and you're mad that this guy did it better? Like, what are you talking about? That one's really funny to me, actually. Like, there's a whole thing of people talking about, like, the evolution of what country music kind of became. And over the last, like, five to ten years, it's basically just been, like, R&B music with, like, a country twang to it, which is, like... The so much of country music now is literally like 808s, hi-hats, and snaps with country singing over top. So, like, what's different about it? Like, I blame Florida Georgia Line, but... <laughs> oh, yeah, for it's, sure. It's totally them. But <laughs> that's in, in, a, in a way, I think that's good, too, because I love when genres just cross over, just in general. So, like, it's always really funny to me when you see people, like acknowledge the crossover but once a black person does it it's a problem uh, that's right. so like with Darius <laughs> like Darius Rucker like I remember oh, yeah. whenever he broke into the country music scene and everyone was just pissed like there were a handful of fans that were so stoked but everybody else was just pissed Parks do you know who we're talking about I don't listen to country music Lil Nas X is the only one I know okay so Darius Rucker was the lead singer for Hootie and the Blowfish. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And then okay, okay. whenever they broke up, he uh, became a country singer. And one of his most famous songs is Wagon Wheel. Mm-hmm. And, like, that is the shit down here. Every bar you go to, Wagon Wheel's playing oh, at yeah. some point in time. And, like, and if you don't know that it's a black singer, no one bats an eye. But yep. the second someone's like, oh, yeah, this is Darius Rucker, they're like, oh, turn this shit off. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? It's crazy. It is really wild. I it love this tune. Ugh. They got melon it. Oh fuck no! Turn it off. None, none of <laughs> yes, that. Exactly. They're well, jealous. I, it's also weird <laughs> oh, that you bring yeah. up like the evolution of country music in general because I love that we're moving 
away from stadium country. Get stadium country the fuck out yes. of here. Because yes. old school country's good. Like Reba McIntyre and Garth Brooks oh, are yeah. good. Dolly Parton's good. And then we get into like 2004, like, I want to fuck my truck. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. I love fuck my okay I said I don't listen to country but I love fuck my truck era country I fucking love it I eat that shit up uh, my, I think she thinks my tracker sexy was one of my most played songs oh my God. just for reference when I say my music taste is shit um, last year no not last year two years ago my Spotify wrap up my number one song for reference since I was a senior in high school so now like three four years my number one song is I Make Death Fun by Falcon Shield and then whatever horse shit I was listening to afterwards, I've maintained that spot. Falcon Shield themselves has said, I'm the number one listener for that fucking song, according to Spotify records. Hell yeah. So, <laughs> garbage. My two years ago, though, it was like, that, Devil Trigger, She Thinks My Tractor's Sexy, um, Perfect by Ed Sheeran, and no. then, oh, fuck, what was the last one? It was not good. Fuck. Fuck. I, I just I just want to say, as someone whose favorite bar in the world is the bar that Garth Brooks got discovered at, and I can't wait until I can go back, fuck you! For <laughs> she thinks my character sexy's good. Oh I my won't God, apologize. I'm so <laughs> angry at you. Oh, oh my God. God, that's amazing. I don't even like country music that much, and I'm so pissed. Well, the I'm reason like it was my number way. one is because I would go pick up my... Oh, I think it was Deep Throat was the last song. I'm sorry. Yeah. No! <laughs> It's because I would go, like, I was used to have to pick my sister up from school because my mom didn't want to, so I would just put whatever the fuck I wanted on the speakers and then, like, play it super loud when she would come in. So anytime I'd play that song, she'd fucking get so angry. So, I mean, it's probably up there from every day that I would listen to it in the car waiting for her, but yeah. it's a good song. It's a banger. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. It's okay. When I had my old truck, as Parks likes to call a Bella Swan truck, is like the truck I drove in high school. <laughs> you were like a lesbian with a fucking rusty yeah. ass truck. It's a Bella Swan yeah. truck. But I, I had this like horrible burned CD mix from iTunes that I made. And I think like track number one was like bringing sexy back. And then it was like Teenagers by My Chemical Romance immediately afterwards. So I th this is why we're friends, Parks. Yeah, you think that's bad? Like, okay. Uh, that sounds pretty uh, standard. I, I had a lot of friends who that was just, that was their shit. What embarrassing music did you listen to, Trey? I'm very curious now. Oh, man. I listened to, like, everything, though. Like, I, I, so that's the thing. To me, there's no such thing as embarrassing music, because I just, I just like music, you know? <laughs> you're cringe, but you're free. Oh, yeah. Cringe is dead, and I'm the one that killed it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm trying to be like uh, I'm trying to think what was possibly like the you know what I know what song that I used to constantly have on rotation because like that shit was a banger to me but everyone hated it every time we touch yes no oh, I yeah. love that song I still listen to it that, hey. that, that's a fucking banger I'm making a 2021 like Vegeta Bulma AMV to bad boy in 2021 like I love yeah, it. Yeah, let's go. It's beautiful. That's life. Let's fucking um, go. <laughs> what I was going to say earlier, though, was the problem with the worst thing ever. Uh, my stereo got stolen from my bedroom. We had a home intruder, and he took my stereo. And inside that stereo was my Avril Lavigne Losing Grip CD. Could not fucking cope with the loss of it. That was the one that had, like, Complicated on it and, oh, no. like, all these other ones. And 
I went to go burn mine, and this was back in, like, the days of, like, LimeWire, where you had to go get MP3s from there, and I got this cover of Losing Grip, the song, because it was, like, that was on the album. My radio also had, like, the one we bought to replace it had no fucking remote. And it was across the room in my bedroom. So it would be, and I had to listen to music to sleep. So it'd be like 3 a.m. and Losing Grip would come on. And it was the worst cover. It was someone like singing over it like really badly. There was no pitch correction, nothing. It was like they sang it on their phone while the song played on the radio. And that was on my CD, Burned Forever. And I had to listen to it because I couldn't get out of bed to turn that shit off. That's it. That was it. There was no relevance to the story, but it was just... I fucking hate burning CDs. That's it was the pain. worst era. I'm glad we don't do it anymore because, yeah. God, the pain of having to live with this shit on my CD for the rest of my life. <laughs> it's gone now. I threw it away. I was going to say, speaking of Little Nas X, uh, the next cover that I'm going to be putting out, I guess, in the next few days, I should probably film and edit that, but uh, I'm doing a cover of Montero. Fuck yes. Oh, hell yeah. Fuck yes. Let's so, go. And it's going to be great because I'm making sure I'm kind of trying to like double down on the fact that it's Pride Month because uh, me and my friend Alice Kane Wolf, who actually played guitar on that one uh, Rage Against the Machine cover I did, mm-hmm. um, we are both rapping. We both like wrote some quick little like Fuck verses yes. at the end of it. Normally what would be the uh, the little Nas X like devil lap dance. We added mm-hmm. a little section for us to do that. It's fucking fun. thank god oh, that's awesome i'm can't wait very excited by the time this episode comes out it will be out more yeah. than likely if you fucking film and edit it but i'm mean, probably gonna do it tomorrow and just scramble to get it up yeah you got good that right yeah, yeah, yeah at this point it's just uh, you're good yeah it's just it's nothing just throw it up it's no problem <laughs> yep, yep yep um so i'm gonna go off script for a second because i'm really curious we've been off what script. is like that's true. What is the like legal process of creating a cover like? Like, how do you get rights to it, or do you even bother? And you're so, just like, here, you two. <laughs> yeah. So, I can make a cover and just upload it to YouTube, and nothing will happen. However, if I want to put it anywhere on streaming and attach my name to it, you have to you have to get a mechanical license. Thankfully, there are a bunch of different services that now offer that uh the two that i use are DistroKid and SoundDrop. um basically you pay them a fee they find a split with the main artist of the song it's usually something like 90 percent for you 10 percent for them but i think it's going to change in the future um and basically any streaming income you make they also get a cut so right like that's why you know I did that uh, that cover of one of Jonathan Young's songs, and that's one to did I did it just because he's the homie, and I want more people to see what he does because he's fucking dope. But that also like I know people somehow follow me who have never heard of him, and I don't know how that works. We're in the same niche, but like yeah, but like when they find it, it goes to him. So I'm glad. But like it, I do that. Partially just because I cover so much, like, good music that people don't know. Especially, like, I'm starting to kind of, I guess, working on some more covers of, like, older anime songs. Like, the newer stuff's always cool. That's, like, the clickbait stuff that gets people to go to the channel. But, like, I was born in 89. I'm old. I grew up with, like, 90s anime. And I want to start covering some of those because, like, some of those openings were, like, bops. Like, super awesome. 
So, like, what kind of shows did you grow up on that you would absolutely love to cover in particular? Oh, man. There were so many. Like, I know one of the ones that I'm, I've am i got mostly done, I just have to find a time that feels appropriate to put it out, is uh, the old Dragon Ball stuff. Stereotypical <laughs> answer, of course, but, like, I love Dragon Ball. Like, especially just, no, so, like... So do we. Especially the OG. Like, Z is great, but, like, I think growing up watching Z burned me out of it as an adult. But, like, I'm such a huge fan of, like, the original and now Super. I love them so much. I fucking love Super. Super I was about to ask you. I've been trying so hard not to um, because I don't want to, like, throw suggestions at you. Because you already did fucking Battle of Gods, which I love. But (laughs) I cannot find the original English dub for uh, Limit Break Survivor anywhere. Anywhere. You can only find it on YouTube. And it's kind of crunchy. All of my friends fucking hate that Tournament of Power intro. They hate it. And I can't find good covers of it. Is that ever one you have in mind? Uh, I mean, eventually I'm probably just going to get like everything that I've enjoyed watching. So it's definitely on the list. Like I have a list that's a mile long right now and I can never choose. Mm -hmm. That's part of my problem right now. Right. (laughs) I'm definitely going to have to investigate that one. Like, oh man, there's so many. Like the one that I really wanted to do to start off is just going to be the original like Dragon Ball one. That one I love because, so also when I was in college, I studied bass. That's like the one instrument Mm -hmm. that I've had like classical training on. And I also just super love like funk slap bass. It is like the coolest thing in the world to me. Also, if you couldn't guess, like another one of my favorite bands is Maximum the Hormone for like that exact reason. (laughs) Like, I love it. But (laughs) um, that one just had so much of like, a tightly laid groove that I feel like I could like really, really nail. I'm really excited for that one too. Please do it. Cause yeah, you definitely could nail it. Like you could nail it actually perfectly. So please, <laughs> whenever, whenever you get time, you're being worked to death. I'm not going to sit here and be like, do every single song I've ever enjoyed, please. Oh, I mean, but... <laughs> hey, the plan is that at some point the YouTube thing becomes profitable enough that I can just quit my job, you know? Right. That would be cool. <laughs> yeah. Then I will just do everything. Right. Fuck it. Who cares? I mean, if you're getting paid to do it, just whatever. Exactly. That's that's your job now. But also, do you ever get, like, worried, you know, with when it comes to creative endeavors, how sometimes when you're going through them, once you have to start doing it for work specifically, like full-time work, are you worried you're going to kind of lose that motivation to work on it? Oh, I mean, I definitely did, actually. So me working on Pentakill was a contract job, technically, Mm -hmm. and that ended, like, December. So um I wasn't doing anything for 6 months and most of what I was doing was writing instrumentals for myself, Caleb Hiles and Jonathan Young for the most part. Mm-hmm. So like doing their instrumentals, doing mixes for them. At that point that was my job. That was how I paid my bills. And it definitely can lead to some burnout like for sure. But I don't know. It it really to me it's always come down to like if you do it for work, but your needs are being met, it's no problem. Unfortunately, like <clears throat> the work for them is great. Don't get me wrong, but like they don't always have work for you. So sometimes it's like, no, I'm still struggling, bro. <laughs> I am under fucking water. I love doing this, but oh, my God. Exactly. You yeah. got it. So <laughs> just, oh, my God. But yeah, like, you know, it. at the end of the day, like. It's always a a weird balance between like doing what you love and doing what you love for money. It's kind of it's kind of weird. 
even to yeah. a degree, the Pentakill gig was the same way. Like, you know, at, at one point it's like, cool, this is great. I'm doing something that I love. And then also it's like, okay, well, I still have to be here like at a certain time every day working on this so that I can get paid. So in any creative field, any entertainment field whatsoever, you're going to have people who don't value your work. And so it's just been like, I guess kind of as yourself, you've already answered this, so I'm just kind of rephrasing the question just to like clarify where the fuck we were going with any yeah. of this. But um, it's like having, especially with you having to manage yourself, it's kind of been like finding out how much you yourself are worth. And obviously you've found it where you're being able to work on contracts, but still being able to work on your own creative work and mm -hmm. still kind of balancing those things. And a lot of people still need to kind of figure out where they are in terms of that. Like, yeah. I know still people who sell dirt cheap commissions when they shouldn't, when they've been, like, a trained artist for, like, ten years, and they're selling, like, 80 bucks for a full illustration. Like, are you high? Are you stupid? What are you doing? Like, respectfully raise your prices. And it's just, I don't know, being creative, especially with this new age of social media, not to, <clears throat> social media, bad, but... It's really hard because it's like people will go and post stuff. People can post stuff every fucking day and they'll they no one will get like how hard it is in the process. Yep. They'll just be like, as long as I'm actively putting out content every day, it's going to desensitize everybody to the work that goes into it, I guess Absolutely. is what I'm really trying to wrap up saying here. Yeah. Um and it's a pain in the ass. And probably with like your current posting schedule and your current main work schedule, you're probably not getting too much of that, but yeah, Are you worried that people will start to kind of, if you go back to like full time or anything, like specifically on making your music and specifically with making YouTube videos, are you worried that people will become kind of desensitized to that work and you'll be more exposed to these people who disvalue you, I guess? So that's an interesting one. Um, I feel like content overload is always going to make people kind of devalue the work a little bit. Like it's just when you're hit with something at a constant rate, you just your brain naturally just kind of like expects it. And that's, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's it's an eventuality. It's not really a, an if it's a when, but I'm not too worried about it. Like I do have people like I've one of the big things that I've always learned is like, you know, don't be afraid of change. Don't be afraid of like failures, like small or large. So one of the things that like I originally did is like when I first thought about starting my Patreon, I was super worried. Like, what if I don't put out enough content and people leave? And I'm like, you know what? You kind of just got to be okay with the fact that eventually some people are just going to leave. New people will come. The thing that helped me, I guess, is understanding, you know, the sheer amount of people that exist on this planet. <laughs> like at some point you're always going to find new eyes. If for no other reason that like, people are always going to find their ways into new niches. It's just a thing that happens in life. So, you know, I'm not a believer in the whole, like you've maxed out your community and there's nothing you can do. Like one of the things that I'm probably going to be doing, I guess near the end of the year is I'm going to be doing more videos where I'm just like a talking head in front of the camera. Like one thing that a lot of people that I asked about, they were interested in is like talking about how I write music, talking about how I record stuff like that. I'm figuring out how I can make that work, but I think I want to do it. Like, I guess for me, it's just with the constant onslaught of content that everyone is getting nowadays, what a lot of people want is quality. 
you can always find something, but the question when you always have something becomes, is it good? Like, don't kill yourself over quality, because, you know, some people always have different strategies. I know some people whose main goal on YouTube as YouTubers is literally, like, overwhelm people with numbers, because that's just going to get more people there. But I've learned people stick around for quality. People look for quality. And you just learn to give people what they're asking for. So I guess in that respect, I'm not really that worried about it at all. Like, I I don't want to come off cocky, but, like, I know... (laughs) I know that I make good stuff because I put a lot of my own time and heart into it. So I know that it's always going to have people that respond. I'm not worried about it at all. It probably helps no, that you have that niche. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off now. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you're fine. I was just going to say that that puts a beautiful little bow on the whole discussion of like, know your worth and know your value. Because like I come from a business background and that's kind of one of the big things is you have to be cocky to an extent. You have to know that your your work is valued. And if you don't walk away, like don't deal with someone who's going to devalue it. And I think that that's kind of the reality you have to face as a, as a creator. People are going to walk away at some point in time. And all you can do is shrug and wave them off because it, it doesn't matter if you're happy with what you're creating. That's what matters at the end of the day. One thing for me, it's like, I am constantly, sur- like, I in my family, I'm surrounded by lots of people who are entrepreneurs and do lots of other stuff for themselves. And I've seen them start businesses that succeeded and start businesses that fail. Like, funny thing here is, uh, in Maryland, uh, my aunt runs a, uh, she was a former Mrs. Maryland for like several years. She runs a dance and etiquette studio here in Baltimore. She's opening her second one. Very successful. But I've also seen the struggles that she's gone through. Like, sometimes it doesn't feel like you're going to be able to keep the lights on. But I watched her just kind of be like, I know I'm making something good. So eventually it'll work out. And it does. So, you know, I guess when when you're talking about valuing yourself and your work, it always comes down to like, you got to kind of trust that like what you're doing is worth it, especially if you're putting all of yourself into it. I I have never been the type to want to try and build a life on a half-assed concept. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> like that's the big part, I guess. Like if you want to start doing something for real, you got to believe that it's worth it. That's awesome. Definitely. I just, I love hearing you talk. I just feel so like inspired and motivated and like reassured. (laughs) That is not something I've ever associated with myself, but I will take it. (laughs) Well, you're absolutely achieving it. Okay. I'm going to take a total like 180 because Mm -hmm. I want to, I know we kind of touched on it earlier, but I'm really curious. Like you guys have mentioned the YouTube comments and like I stay the (laughs) fuck away from YouTube comments. I never look at YouTube comments. They terrify me to no end. Like, it could be the happiest video ever, and I'm like, I'm not going to read that. But what kind of, like, specific pushback and criticism have you faced in particular, like, encompassing everything we've talked about? Like, I especially as, like, a queer creator, as a creator of color, like, anything in general that's really stood out to you that you've overcome? So, that's an interesting one. So, as a queer creator, I can't say anything. No one interprets me as queer. Again, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah, unfortunately that might change with the Montero video because I, I have some plans. Um, but as far as being a black creator, I get so much my, my held for review section and my creator dashboard is a nightmare. I will tell really? you. 
Yeah, I I have gotten so many people telling me that like black people suck at metal, which I don't even get. I get some I the funniest one was I don't even think this person meant anything like harmful by it, but it was still kind of like why would you say this? Like oh, this dude looks like he should be making reggae, but he makes metal. Is it cuz your hair? Like are I you think- being I think it's because of my hair. <laughs> oh my god. Reggae, like I mean okay. the audacity. <laughs> it's wild. I've I've had so many like the majority of the comments that I get as far as pushback have been relating to like making anything in the gent style, which is always a gent is polarizing in the metal community, actually. A lot of metalheads despise that sound. Because they feel like it's dumbing down the genre for whatever reason. I I could not tell you. But um, I get people telling me that, like, Gent is horrible. I get people telling me I'm not as good as X person. I get that one a lot lately. <clears throat> I mean, that's that's cool, though. Honestly, getting brought up in their conversations means more people are going to check them out in response to me and vice versa. And I have no ill will towards other creators. So the easy way to solve that is to just collab and be like, what do you have to say now? But it's it really gets kind of funky. A lot of people and fans specifically feel the need to, one, make it a competition between other creators, which is strange. Because I don't think anyone's really trying to compete with anyone else. But the biggest pushback I tend to get is like, people will illegitimize me because I'm black because I make a specific subgenre of metal or the one lately is just because like I make music from league of legends. <laughs> league of legends haters hate themselves more than anything else. Oh man. Like they really, really hate that game. I'm surprised. Oh my God. I I was going to say, yeah, like I mean it league of legends fans, especially though, because I've seen this back when Pentacle came out and split um, I don't know if you remember this circumstance, but you had this circumstance with someone I had blocked and one of my favorite artists pointed it out. Do you remember, um, well, you probably know the straight hand. Anytime Riot or League makes a post where it has a non-feminine champion, usually it's like a Mord post, like on Mord's birthday, the comments were fucking toxic as hell. Um, back when Pentakill was like the, co- uh, the concert was released, someone like referred to you as like a straight man, like... Oh, I don't yeah. want these straight men, like, touching our music. <laughs> Bring back, like, Pentacle. I remember exactly what Twitter user this was, and that's the worst part, because I blocked the rest. Um, <laughs> we addressed, like, the whole kind of... <clears throat> not to, like, bash, because obviously I like the League community. I've been in it for a long time. Like, my fucking tag is Crown Guard Cosplay. Like, I have mm-hmm. League in my brand. I can't get rid of it. But have you had to... I've had to address, like, the top lane main community versus like the kda stand twitter community that's the easiest way and then there's the people who are in between trying not to like fuck with it but when getting involved with pentakill like more straightforward now that you've had to perform with them and now that the album is like confirmed and they've been kind of talking about it like as we get closer and closer to the end of the year usually when this band stuff happens now that you can tell me if it is or isn't um are you worried about getting more like pushback or not like circumstance where you were being like heavily misgendered because people didn't bother to do any sort of researching like to what was happening there? So honestly, it, it's one of those things where I kind of anticipate it. I'm going to have to kind of like 
brace myself for it and just be ready for it. Like, thankfully, like it, it doesn't, I understand some people it, it feels worse and it's totally valid. Thankfully for me, it doesn't bother me like as much. I do still try to gently kind of put the foot down to be like, Hey, but I, I can tell you, like, I don't really know when we're planning to do anything with Pentakill exactly. And even if I did, I couldn't really say, but like, um, I guess as we do get closer, it's probably going to get to a point where one, the KDA fans are going to be pretty upset. I don't really know why, but for some reason, like just, on, I, I don't know if it's just on Twitter, but like in certain like little like niches of the internet, I guess K-pop stands. I don't know much about the community, but there's a, there's a really like fiercely competitive nature with them and like anything else that comes in there, like their orbit at all. So I can actually tell you, uh, April 11th, the day that we did the performance, as we're getting in our ride back to our Airbnb, we're like, we pull out our phones and take a look. We notice we're trending on Twitter. We get really excited. And then we read the tweets and it is immediately much less exciting because the reason Pentakill was partially trending was because people who, I guess, really like KDA and want to get into like the, the K-pop stand like drama we're basically telling us that like the, the performance was awful. We shouldn't have been there. I don't know what like outsold means in K-pop context, but I saw that a lot. Um, I can explain it. So I used to, I help pro, um, one of my best friends is a captain for a uh, K-pop dance group in Utah. Mm. And so I kind of am outside of that culture. When they say outsold, it specifically means like within groups, like guy groups, girl groups, you're going to have people who outsell certain albums and albums in like K-pop are huge, like photo books, basically. They're not like CDs that you would get here. And so when you outsell a group, it kind of means you're dominating like all of the other groups that are in your genre. And so when they say KDA outsold, they're basically saying that Pentacle flopped, which is I think it's horse. I think it's total horseshit comparing them because they're completely different. And it's the same people who are like bullying True Damage. It's like, do you love Akali or not? Do you love Soyon or not, bitch? Like, make up your mind. Like, it was. I don't, it was a teaser for the song. It wasn't even the whole song. No, and I mean, considering the performance was under COVID, first of all, which I can completely understand why it was a lot more muted in comparison to like yeah. True Damages or KDAs. But I mean. True Damage was kind of on the weaker side, uh, personally, because of the limitations with their stadium. So yeah. it was, like, the beginning of Popstars era KDA, but that immediately kind of got fixed. I think, actually, True Damage probably, in my opinion, was better. But you guys were, like, thrown in in the middle of a pandemic. There was no setup, like, available, like, for, in terms of, like, you know, the character uh, projections, oh, stuff yeah, like no. that. Like, <laughs> we're in a pandemic. We can't make that shit happen. Like, it's crazy. But yeah, that's what outsold means if you okay. want to continue. <laughs> that was, I mean, hey, that was cool. But I mean, we we got a little bit kind of like demoralized reading the K-pop stand tweets. But like, we also just kind of remembered, like, at the end of the day, like, one, we were proud of what we did. So like, th I guess that's the one thing that we're always trying to keep in our minds. And that's how, in general, like, especially dealing with YouTube and stuff. It, it's it, I guess it sounds a little cold to like fans and people who enjoy it, but at the end of the day, I make this stuff for me. Like I make this because I like it. I am very happy 
and I do feel lucky that other people like it too. But if every single person hated what I made, I would probably still be making it. Right? And it's like, K-pop, or specifically the KDA stands can get mad at you, but you already got your fucking check. Like, well, no. <laughs> oh, God. What are they going to do about but it? But also, I don't think they realize that if Pentakill, like, 1 and 2 didn't do well, like, as skin lines or as a concept or when Mortal Reminder came out as a music video, if they didn't perform well, we wouldn't have fucking got KDA. Like, oh, Riot yeah. could have just said, like, oh, well, we tried Pentakill. That sucks shit. Like, oh, no more, no more music from us. We say it all the time, actually. We always... So one of the things that, like, we say internally, and I see it a lot on Twitter, too, is always... Pentakill walked so uh, KDA could run. Yeah. No, that's true. And, yeah. And that's why we always, like, I, I have seen a lot of really good support from people lately being like, you know, this is Pentakill's moment. Like, we got to, like, support them so that more music projects can keep going. And I agree. I feel like overall, like, first of all, I, I'm I'm confident that, like, whenever it, whenever the Pentakill stuff does come out, I think people who don't even like metal are going to like it. Honestly. Mm-hmm. I think personally it, it's just good music in general but um I, you know there's always gonna be someone who's got something to say i guess and you know i guess me pulling into like my whole like hip-hop mentality i guess is always just like haters just mean you're doing good yeah <laughs> It, sometimes I guess it still gets you down. Like, I mean, who doesn't like reading constant negativity is always going to like hit you. But I guess if you just like, if you can't find anything within what you're doing that really mirrors what they're saying, what do you care? Right? Yeah. Basically it's just like, <laughs> Oh God, like you like this band more than you liked me. That's fucking crazy. I know the guys who worked on it and they like me. So fuck you. Like oh, yeah. you, re- you really can't hold that over their head. Like oh, it's, well, it's mm, fuck you. Oh, and like the person that you were talking about that you blocked—that's pretty much. That's really funny to me because like I remember specifically me and Eugene, my bass player, mm-hmm. who you know we were hanging out earlier in Discord. Yeah. You, he was the one who you watched just beat the hell beat out of me in Guilty mm-hmm. Gear. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that was great. But yeah. <laughs> I just made a conscious decision that I was going to kill this person with kindness. I was just like, I am going to make this person feel so guilty that they are going to backpedal everything they said. And mm-hmm. it kind of worked, actually. <laughs> no, they they were scared. Oh my god, they were scared. It was fucking hilarious. Because I it got reposted by one of the artists in the community who actually did my icon. I don't know if you know league artists oh, wow. in the communities or whatever, but I don't, they but actually awesome. like screenshot this conversation and said like, this is so embarrassing to do to like a black creator, especially someone who's <laughs> working on this. Like, fuck you. They're one of the biggest Lucian Senna, like artists. They do all of like mm. the true damage comics. If you've seen them, oh, wow. they do all of that work. And they're like, fuck you. What the hell is this? Like, this is embarrassing. Take this shit down. And that's how I found out that they were doing that. Cause I have them blocked. I don't fucking go seek up their, tweets why would i do that but god i'm glad you at least know this circumstance and i'm not just like remember this weird thing that happened on twitter last year like i'm crazy (laughs) no (laughs) no not at all i mean it was only a couple months ago (laughs) oh my god it it was yeah covid COVID is like a million years i understand i don't know what it is anymore it's It's june yeah like we were in march i blinked and now it's almost july you know oh my god it is almost july it's in like what a few days is the yeah. 20 fucking six I, yeah it's next week ah. I, I feel like i aged 50 years this month it's crazy same i found my first gray hair today it's uh 
Oh no. <laughs> That's I'm like I have friends that are like 24 that I've seen grays in their yeah, hair. So I'm, I think I think you're doing pretty good, Trey. Yeah, I'm not I'm I'm not actually worried about it. <laughs> See, it I'm was just really soon. funny. Like I have friends who I went to high school with who had grays at like age 14. So I'm sitting here like one gray hair in my beard at age 32. I think I'm fine. I think I'm good. The key is dye your hair so much you never see it. <laughs> I was considering it. I was actually considering dyeing my hair. I might have to do it now. You absolutely should. I have dyed my hair so much I've forgotten my natural hair color. So. <laughs> it's it's just a hobby at this point. Hey, that's awesome, I will also... Though. I will also say with your like Twitter comment and stuff, um, what I find really frustrating is in those moments, like, yes, it's always good to like kill someone with kindness and that respect, but it's also sucks that people like con- like content creators of color or queer creators or anybody that isn't like essentially in the general mainstream is expected to be so nice and expected to like hold your hand and walk someone through it. It's like, I don't have time to explain to you nicely why the thing you said was sexist or the thing you said was racist. Like literally just don't be an asshole and leave. And I think it's really admirable that you took that stance, but I know that is, it's very frustrating in that position where you kind of (laughs) like have to, or else you're labeled something that you probably don't want to be labeled. (laughs) So, I mean, you're absolutely right, first of all. Like, I kind of pride myself on, like, I guess I consider myself an educator of, of sorts. I'm always, I guess, around all of my friends, I've always been viewed as, like, the big sibling who, like, takes care of people. But there are definitely some times where, like, I just don't want to be nice. But I feel like I have to. Especially because, I guess, you know, like... It's still a weird thing for me kind of coming to grips with understanding that I'm like somewhat of a public figure, but I have to take that seriously because people pay attention to what I do. So right. I try to put forward a good image as much as I can. If you dig around in my Twitter, there are definitely times where I have not, though. <laughs> <laughs> there are there are definitely times where I have just, you know, told someone fully about themselves and just let it be there. <laughs> Sometimes you have to. Sometimes people are too dense. Truly. But that was probably also one of the circumstances, because that was right under a League of Legends tweet that that whole thing happened. So you were already in the spotlight. People knew you from that performance. You did, probably two hours before. And you can't... um, Don't fucking misgender me, asshat. You're a dumbass. And then, like, leave it. You can't drop that. Your boss is looking at that. That's like, ooh, no, I'm sorry. Like... Yeah. (laughs) I'm non-binary. Please don't talk about me like that. Like, that. I mean, that's pretty much what it was. Trying to just... I mean, I guess there is still some, like... There's still value to it, you know? Like, especially because... A lot of queer people experience so much, like unnecessary backlash online just for being what you are. So sometimes helping to kind of bridge that mentality is just an overall good. That is also just, to me, it's just also really funny when people come in with an assumption and you just blow that up in their face immediately though. Yeah. I don't think it helps that uh, like metal has always been a masculine dominated field. I say specifically masculine because I mean, there are, like, non-binary and queer creators in it, but people don't fucking oh, yeah. give a shit to acknowledge it. They're just like, you're masculine presenting. 
you're a fucking guy now. Sorry, like, fuck you. And so I think that was probably one of the funniest things when it came to Pentacle. And I don't mean, like, funny as in, like, haha, this is fucking hilarious. Like, these guys are dumbasses. Because obviously it affects people to see that. But, like, you trapped yourself in a fucking bear trap by saying the dumbest (laughs) shit imaginable. And you did not hold back for a second. You're like, these are all dudes. Fuck them. Like, I'm not a guy. Oh. Mm. Oops. Like, (laughs) What? It's just that simple, too. It's like, why did you like, say that? So, so, hey, uh, you're wrong, but, you know, go off. <laughs> the angriest and, like, wrong, most wrong people are always the fucking loudest. They say it with their whole chest every time. And I love it. <laughs> and I actually gotta say, um, just, there, actually, one of the questions that I know we were, like, talking about before, it is surprisingly refreshing, like, over at Riot, how receptive they are to queer creators because there are a lot of us actually at riot there's actually a subsection of riot called riot noir specifically devoted to black employees who are doing all kinds of cool stuff like i recommend looking them up on twitter seeing the stuff they do they had like a thing where they were playing like a like black diaspora themed like D campaign it was oh, the coolest oh, thing yeah. i had ever seen it was dope so I'm assuming That's you've awesome. been to the California offices many times at this point, or nope, not, not once. Still haven't. Not oh my god! Once. I mean, I've only I've only worked there for a little over a year at this point. Okay. And unfortunately, the one time I got there, COVID restrictions were so tight I couldn't leave anywhere. Like we would leave the like while I was in California, we stayed at a hotel and we stayed at an Airbnb. I almost couldn't even see my cousin who lived there, who I hadn't seen for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. It was literally like the day before the performance and I could like sneak to meet him at a vegan spot and get lunch. And that was like it. I didn't see anyone else. I had so many friends who live in the area and I was just like, sorry. Uh, We're in a pandemic and I am very under contract. (laughs) Such is life. We're so off topic. I don't know where we are anymore. Now, do you remember where we are it. anymore? <laughs> this is going to be a great um, yeah, episode. <laughs> it's oh, it's going to be perfect. We're coming down to the last couple of questions, and sure. I do feel like we've kind of rehashed this, but in general, like, do you have any final advice that you want to give to like budding creators or young creators or maybe creators that are super unsure of where they're at in their life at the moment? Because I know like you, from what you've told us, you've been to hell and back, it seems like, and hell choir and back, so... <laughs> I mean, the simplest advice that I can give them is just don't be afraid to fail. Like, I did not get to where I am. And, like, honestly, I feel like this isn't even, like, close to where my final trajectory is going to be. But, like, I didn't even get to this level without, like, fucking up a ton. Like, oh, my God. I, I have so many, like, dead bands, projects, things I started and just gave up. Opportunities that I reached out for got told no. Matter of fact, while working at Riot, I did several applications for full-time positions at Riot and got denied. Like, it happens. The worst thing that's going to happen to you is someone says no and you keep it pushing. Like, really. Like, I know, like, that's that's a thing that I know a lot of people, especially, like, in, like, our generations, like, they get very, very hung up about, but what if I mess up? What if something goes wrong? life goes on like really like it happens and then you just keep going (laughs) yeah basically and like 
I, I know that's like a it's a scary concept for a lot of people. I understand it because like not everyone can internalize that. Like my partner actually, because they have like very bad anxiety. Sometimes that that worry about failure actually makes it so that they just can't do the thing they want to do. And I get it, but. And, you know, it's not always a thing you can rationalize. So, you know, your mileage may vary on this advice, obviously, but it really is like understand that sometimes you just have to you have to mess up to like get to where you got to be. What was what was that saying? God, there's a saying like it's like to make some like to make some kind of food. You got to you always got to break a few eggs or like whatever. But that like it's true. make an omelet. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I God, I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like. I, I have always the things that I've always told people because I've I have a bunch of other musicians like you guys are in my discord. You see that I have like lots of other musician friends and followers who just want to do more of what I do. And I really just tell them, like, don't be afraid of failure. Success is not linear. Progress is not linear. You don't just go like here to here to here to here. Like even me talking about like how I got into what I'm doing. I didn't mention like the other things that I've tried to get into that just did not pan out. Mm-hmm. Right. Shit. Like I joined a band like that's in like the metal core scene. They were like really well known in the early gent days, a band called friend for a foe. Like they're still like really well known. People talk about them. We have not done anything since I've joined and that's not their fault. That's not my fault. Like they've just got life stuff going on, but that's what's happening. We're literally like, we started, we went up, and now we're in a dip. And I guarantee once things get better, and probably once shows start back up again, I'll be bombarding everybody with friend for a foe stuff again, too. So, like, you just keep going no matter what hits you. Like, life is a long time, and that's actually funny enough. That was the thing I used to have super bad anxiety about is feeling like I never have enough time. I guess, you know, like, approaching your 30s still in college kind of does that to you. But like one of the thing my therapist always kind of impressed on to me and now I'm starting to believe it because I'm sitting here like from that time at 26 to now at 32 was only six years. But that feels like a lifetime ago now. Life is a really long time and you have a lot of space to make your mistakes and recover from them. So like especially like queer artists, too. I know so many of them also like doubly feel like you have less time because you have more stacked up against you but you got to remember like you do have a lot of time the world will change in that time and additionally you have so much bandwidth to make mistakes and keep moving so you just got to do it like there's a thing that me and my friends used to do in like my early D days where they would make a joke campaign called fike stands for fuck it kill everything <laughs> and uh yeah, that's a really good way to just kind of look at the whole world and anything you want to do. Just fuck it. Do it. For sure. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, This is kind of like its own thing, but just like even like small things. Like Neb had another podcast before Fan Dames. Um, she approached mm-hmm. me because I listened to that podcast because I knew her. And that was like the reason she's like, I want I do this already with one podcast, but I want to focus more on this with the other. Like, do you want to start this with me? And the minute we got started, I was like, what do you want? Like, where do you want to go with this? Like... Because, I mean, this is a different show. Like, we can do whatever we want. Her and I are the hosts of this. We get to... It's our thing. And, like, the first thing started was, like, let's just fucking do a Patreon. Like, fuck it. And she was 
there's no there wasn't another Patreon for like her other show for a long time. But there were people who wanted to support her, and so it was, like, at the same time, I was having to tell her, like, we can just do it. Like, the longer... There's people who want to pay us, and the more we sit there and worry about whether or not we're going to have, like, an audience or reception for this, we're missing out on the people who do want to pay us for this and the people who do want to support us. And so it's just, like, hanging on to that idea of, like, but what if everyone hates it is always going to be that hold back because if you're sitting there not wanting to put something out because you're worried people are going to hate it... You're going to be, like, not to say neglecting, because you don't owe anyone shit in this world, fuck it, but you're going to be ignoring the people who do support you and do want to give you that, like, financial... I mean, this is a job, like, at this point. We're getting paid, like... Yeah. That's the truth of it, and obviously, I mean, it's coming from, like, our friends and family who wanted to support us, but the fact that we have it in general is at least sizable enough to say that, like, yeah, we're doing this, like, it's permanent, it's real, we're a business, like... Sitting there waiting on a line isn't going to do anything, and it's scary, obviously. No one's anxiety is going to go away, but the more you sit there and do it, the more opportunities you miss. Absolutely. Yeah, way to just uh, put out all my anxieties Fuck and you. grievances out there. <laughs> Any concern you've ever had about the show, I just aired out in front of everybody. Oh and that's how you test who listens to one but not the other. I mean, the way that I used to tell like musician friends who are like, Oh, I've got this project that I've written like 11 songs for, but I don't know when the right time to release it is. And I'm anxious. And I'm like, the longer that spends in the drafts is the longer that it's going to spend continuing to give you anxiety. Just put it out and stop worrying about it. Yeah. If you made 11 songs, the right time to post was 10 songs ago. Yeah, really? (laughs) Honestly. Yeah, that's what I've been telling my dad, because he's an industrial musician, and the industrial scene is not fun, especially with the pandemic, because he's a performer. He can't. He's starting Mm -hmm. to finally do it. He's been doing online live streams within the industrial music, but because of the pandemic, he hasn't been able to put out his own stuff. I don't think he's put out his own work in, like, six fucking years, because he hasn't been able to sit down and do anything. But, like, he's finally starting to, and he's there worried. He's like, what if people fucking hate it? Like, I did really bad of vocals on this one. Like, if you don't want to do vocals, like, if you don't want to do it, just fucking put it out. Like, you're a grown man. You're my father. Just put out your (laughs) damn songs and be happy about it. And it's just, uh, it's hard. Yeah, you know. Dads need encouragement, too, sometimes. You know. (laughs) Yeah, he does. I fucking convinced him. He bought a fucking Jeep brand new cash. And, I yeah, he is not loaded. Um, Most of his money goes to synths, so... Relatable. Man, man's is all I mean, shit. <laughs> I mean, hey, like at this point, I'm kind of like, industrial is awesome. So I like, I, I'm seeing them like start to come back. Like, one of the artists, just I guess, little tangent, but like one of the artists that I've really been getting into who I just found recently through like doom metal circles is mm-hmm. an industrial artist called uh, Author and Punisher. I think my dad knows them actually. Like, he's played their stuff. He's got like it's just this one dude who's like a mechanical engineer, and he yeah. built this giant hulking machine that just makes music. Like, what? What the? F- it's the coolest thing. Like, what? Yeah, my dad was going to school for like sound engineering. And that's most of what everybody he stopped because I was born. Huh. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but like that's what most of everybody in the scene is. Like that's. I'm not myself into industrial. Like, I don't know if you've listened to, like, our podcast yet in terms of, like, prepping for this. But he's the one that made our intro and outro, like, specifically for us. Which, it's not a very industrial thing until you get to our outro. But, like, if you... It kind of sounds, like, poppy and, like, cute and synthwave more than anything. Which was funny because my dad's an industrial musician. We're like, will you just do this? Like, figure it out. And he did. And so it's just, like... 
seeing the whole process. Um, like he's been DJing every night specifically because he loves mixing music, even if he can't really find the motivation to find his own now. And so it's just like, it's really, I guess, nice to see myself improving because then I can kind of like, Hey, dumbass, I'm doing it. Do it. (laughs) Do it. The way you talk to your parents blows my mind. It's because I've, my parents have me young, so it's like we're best friends. It. We're we're literally best God. friends. My dad picked me up from karaoke, and I um, made him. My dad has a two seater jeep. My mom was in the front seat because she was also drunk, and he was driving us back to the house so I could go change and then go hang out with him for the rest of the night. But we're in costume. I'm in Bulma heels. She's in like Scarlet Witch. She has to jump out. We got off the freeway. I held this on the freeway, motherfucker, in the back of a shaky ass jeep. Um, she comes out. She's trying to figure out. She's never been in my dad's Jeep before. Trying to figure out how to fucking pull the seat forward so I can get out. I'm on the brink of vomiting. My dad watched me throw no. out outside of a carpet one on the street corner by a Walmart in a haunted house at 3 a.m. when no one else was around. In a Bulma costume. In a bunny suit. I lost my ears out there, by the way. But my oh parents my are my fucking troopers. Both of them just watched me puke vodka Red Bull and nothing else. That is outstanding i love my parents (laughs) my parents are boomers that would never fly so are her parents are also boomers my brother is 36 and i'm like a change of life baby basically like my brother and i are 12 years apart and we have a sister in between us but like my brother was born in 85 so my parents have been parenting for a while so by the time i came around because i was born in 97 they're like whatever you can be a latchkey kid it's fine yeah oh my gosh (laughs) yeah i'm sitting here like I, I'm actually one of the youngest members of Pentakill because the rest of the band were all born in 85. So I'm sitting here like, wow, how like perspective is wild like that? Like, I have no other <laughs> yeah. siblings because so, like my mom thought she couldn't have kids. So I'm just like, I actually almost like I was born with a collapsed lung. So like I almost didn't make it either. Same hat. But like, <laughs> but, like that's wild. I'm sitting here like, yeah. So you know exactly what I'm dealing with. Oh, yeah. My dad will be like, uh, what's, how's your blog doing? I'm like, what? Podcast? Do you mean my podcast? (laughs) My parents, oh my god, telling them about the concert while I was, like, not there, they're like, how do I I pull up the live stream? Like, what what am I supposed to do? And I'm like, like, because they had, they bought a smart TV, so it's got the web browser. They don't have to do anything. I'm just like, you pull up the browser, twitch.com tv slash lcs there's no complicated words for you to have to know (laughs) three letters and they're just like the day of i i remember because uh the greek theater out out in la has like no reception for my phone right Mm -hmm. before i walk in and lose reception i get a text from my mom that says what's the url again i'm just like oh my god they're going to miss it (laughs) (laughs) did they get it though they got it Good. And now Good. she shows everyone constantly. But like Aw, that's cute though. It is, but because actually funny enough, um my musical background comes a little bit from her. Like she sang gospel music for like most of my life. I think since I was like two. Literally they were gonna do their 30th anniversary thing this year, but unfortunately their lead singer passed away from COVID. But Aww. yeah, I mean, what are you gonna do? But yeah, like she was, she, she's been doing it so long. I actually get told constantly that I sound like her, which is really <laughs> funny. Like I, I apparently sing exactly the same way she sings on such a broad spectrum of gospel music versus metal screaming. Oh yeah, no, it's <laughs> even 
it's because, you know, people tell me that, like, my singing voice is, like, really powerful and, like, forward-facing. Mm-hmm. That's how my mom sings, too. I just happen to not use it for gospel. <laughs> you do have an extremely powerful voice, and I, it's I am, awesome. Uh, she chose to uh, worship God. I chose to be an <laughs> affront to the Lord. <laughs> uh, as we start to, like, wrap up, though. So, obviously, yeah. as you were coaching league on a, a college team, um, do you yourself... You probably don't have too much time to play now, though. So, I do. I just haven't been for, like, the last, like, month. Okay, but fair no, enough. I, I play a lot. Like, um, I usually uh, torture myself by playing ranked just enough to try to get to gold. Same. And then I uninstall and stop playing for the rest of the year. You uninstall the whole game? <laughs> Sometimes. Lately, I haven't. Like, 2020, I didn't because me and my friends would still, like, weekend warrior it and just, like, hop in and play ARAMs and we would have fun. Mm-hmm. And the new changes are actually fun enough that I don't mind playing, but like I used to try hard. Like I was super like, no, I gotta get gold and get my skin and stop playing this fucking game. But <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing like I am a support main, and like that has taken many different forms over the years. Mm-hmm. I used to play like a ton of like enchanter supports like Lulu, because you know. I'm going to keep my the rest of my team able to carry me to a victory. I am now old and jaded. I play mage supports. I look the AD carry dead in the face and go, you are not the carry this game. <laughs> That's understandable. So who's your uh, person of choice right now specifically? How about you tell me? I How about you take a guess? You're probably, obviously brand is the easy one, but with current meta, you're probably playing Xerath, aren't you? Nope. <gasps> oh my God, who? Vagar. Ah! <laughs> uh! Okay, so I am an ADC main, and I, okay, so I mostly main ADC mid. Um, mm. I used to play a ton of top, but all my friends are fucking top lane mains, so none for me, no fucking room. My friends in Mordekaiser main, he has, um, he's in Mordekaiser singed main on two different accounts and has, like, almost a million points in total, Jeez. so I'm not fucking getting top lane ever. I am a Draven ADC main. I also main Kaisa and Ash and Jinx. Those are my main four when I play there. Um, when I play mid, I play a lot of Lux. I play a lot of Malzahar. And I play a lot of Ari and Akali. But I've been gold for the last five seasons. And I fucking cannot stand ranking. I am currently, though, on a 100% win rate with uh, Braum and Karma. Because I play them full tank. My friend goes top lane as my duo. Nothing that happens in the early game matters, because at the end of it, I have a Knight's Vow, I have a fucking Shirelia's, and I am stuck to him like glue. (laughs) Like, if he plays Singed or Olaf or anyone, I am fucking on him. No one is killing us. We are unstoppable. We've had to pick up so many games, like, by the back of the throat and be like, okay, we're going, assholes. And right now, I'm silver two. I'm almost there, because I placed really low, because this current LP setting... Success. I'm currently silver four. I am suffering, so I feel you. Well, it's like, okay, not to critique the fucking game, but you felt this firsthand for sure. Mm-hmm. I like the new setting of, like, between just general, like, ranks, you don't have to do promotions. Yeah. But it makes LP gain so much heavier. Yes. Like, it doesn't matter how good you can do. I can go, like, 30, 0, 28 on Karma, and I'll get, like, 7. Or if for, like... I got demoted because I had some. I had two people AFK in a game, and I got loss mitigated for LP, but still got fucking demoted. Oh my and god! And so, yeah, it's very punishing. That I mean, climbing worst. is 
climbing is easier in theory, but you're gaining 10 LP because that's the way the new system works. So fuck that. Um, but it sounds like you're the bane of everyone's existence. So I was going to ask you which champions you cannot stand playing against, but you're, gonna, you're the people people can't stand right now. <laughs> you're going to hate me for the champion that I normally ban. I'm going to guess it's Draven, huh? You're a Draven banner. Hmm. I could. Who? Draven means nothing. No AD carries mean anything. To I me. ban Draven. I ban Lux. I don't play Lux mid though. I'm not. Or I, oh, no. I don't play her support. I don't want Lux in my game in any capacity. That, that I usually don't want her on my team. <laughs> I don't want her on any team because God, like I have dealt with bronze and silver for so long that I have learned mm-hmm. that the champion that is Lux is skill independent. You don't have to be good at this game. You'll just win games no. on Lux. I hate that. I, but when I, you do see a good Lux, it's kind of scary. It is. I just don't like dealing with it. Like, I'll have players, like, and it's not even for me. Like, I'll be playing brand support. I will keep Lux under her tower the entire lane phase. And then mm-hmm. she gets one lucky snare on my AD, and the game is over. Because yep. my AD doesn't know how to flash. They don't know how to trade. They will just stand there and die and then blame me for not killing two people while they die for them yeah i fucking hate that shit that's why i've been playing karma because it's like if i have guardian you can't die bitch if i just keep shielding you you can't fucking die (laughs) Ugh, i hate it though muting all has been saving the game so this is like listening to you guys speak a different language this is insane (laughs) i keep trying to make you play play league so many of my friends play league i'm like i'm not touching that (laughs) it's fun if you have the right people yeah league is one of those interesting experiences where like Everything you've heard about the toxic online gaming experience becomes condensed down. And I I think I know what it really is. It's the lack of voice chat. Yep. Literally. Yep. Like, you'll get people who are really terribly toxic and say terrible things in voice chat. But you know what you can do at that point outside of just muting them? You can ignore them and they spend way less time typing. What happens is when people get mad in that game, they will stop playing the game to type how mad they are at you. And this is a game where time yeah. matters. And you, you can't play the game and simultaneously type. You just can't. So, like, once I notice people start having an argument in the chat, I'm just like, oh, the game's over. Got it. <laughs> We're is, done this here. This is now just turned into an angry chat room. This is no longer a game. <laughs> Whereas on Valorant, I can be called a slur. <laughs> I do play Overwatch, and I avoid team chat like the fucking plague <laughs> because I can't deal with that. Like as very feminine presenting, like I'm not gonna hop into a team chat with <sighs> randos. I'm not gonna deal with that. And I've seen significantly less people type out rude things. And if someone types out a full sentence, you're like, oh, they're pressed. Oh yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's what happens. Like that really is what happens with League too. Like even if it's people who are toxic, if they're in voice chat. They will waste one second being toxic and then the rest of the time playing the game. That's fine. I can ignore you. I don't have to care what you have to say. But if you are like actively stopping yourself from playing the game, we're going to lose. <laughs> yeah. You need to be present oh. in the moment. Yeah, that's why I don't play Valorant um, like in norms with my unless I have like a full squad, because the minute I have my mic on, I'm going to be called like a some sort of misogynistic slur. I don't even fucking, like, main, like, the general... Not to say anyone who plays Sage is like, ha dumb e-girl. Not I that I... Th- I, I hate the dumb... Uh. <laughs> That's I like you know Sage. you're an e-girl now. E-girl. No. Um, <laughs> a, a signed e-girl in the podcast. Yeah. You're a signed e-girl in the game. 
The minute you see a sage, it's like, woman. Like, no. <laughs> I play Phoenix and Reyna, and so people get mad at me because A, entry frag, and then B, like, oh, God, I used to have a feminine name. My old username on there was Lux Light Shield because mm. I used to main Lux, and my partner would, like, play Jarvan, so it was, you know, haha. Yeah. Funny, cute lore thing. His thing is still, because he doesn't play on NA often, is still Jarvan Crown Guard. We matched. It was cute. But because I had Lux in my name, it doesn't matter who I was playing. I could be fucking playing Broomstone and people would be like, stupid fucking woman. Like, I haven't even talked to you. I have my mic off. Like, please. So I don't play Norms. I only play Spike Rush and um, Deathmatch on the same old full gang. But it fucking sucks. Communities suck. They do. I mean, most of the time you can shrug it off, but it's just like... It doesn't matter if you don't take insult to it anymore. The fact that people are just like so comfortable with it is really frustrating. It's really, like it's really weird. Like you'd think that like if you're on a place where like people can still identify you like by uh, your game, you'd think that you'd like think a little harder about what you say. No, right? Well, it's also like it's funny that the people who do that, who play like Apex and Valorant, like you know, you're on like a. Ge- you're playing a game where most of the characters are, like, queer women, right? Yeah, like, right? <laughs> like, almost all of the cast on Apex, they're all queer or, like, you know, not, you, you know. They're queer in some way. They're women. They're fucking doing their thing. They're very open about it. Apex does not hide anything. And then on Valorant, they're like, hey, we gave you another woman. Are you happy? Do you like this? Like, oh, fuck you. We don't care. My favorite thing like, to tell people is when they're getting toxic or misogynistic in lobbies, I'll literally be like... So you know the executive producer of this game is a woman, right? This game was made by a woman, bro. Like, yeah. Like, yep. Why are you mad? Oh my god. That's my favorite thing to see on Twitter whenever someone will be bitching about Dragon Ball in any capacity. Or if it's like, oh, like we have this or this panel for like Bulma's voice actress mm. or whatever. And they'll be like, oh, fuck you. We want to hear more about other characters. Like, do oh, you, that's so... Do you know that Goku's voice actress was a woman for like 20 years, Oh, it bro? still is, actually. <laughs> like... Oh really? So if you if you've watched the Japanese Dragon Ball dub, more weeb moments. So first of all, Goku's voice actress uh, Masako Nozawa is a legend in voice acting. She's been acting more than anyone else. She voices shonen characters so well and has for so long that her title as a voice actress is the Eternal Boy, literally. Oh, that's awesome. So, like, she still voices adult Goku now. And that's actually why a lot of people don't like it, because they feel like the voice doesn't match the body. But I don't. Like, knowing Japanese culture, following Goku as a character who's literally, like, mentally, like, a dumb country boy and always will be, it's perfect. It's perfect. But, you know, first of all, I love Sean Schemmel. He's a great voice actor. No disrespect to him, but, like, no, I think I'm kind of over him as Goku. Not like in a disrespectful way, but just like they they went for the look and not the spirit. And it's the other way around right. in the Japanese dubs. That's awesome. I had no idea. And also like I this is in the way, but I have all these little dudes over here that are hiding behind my pop yes. filters. Okay, so. I will have to I will post a picture in my Discord so you can see my collection. Oh, hell oh, yeah. I'm, my partner and I have like at least over 300 total figures oh, now with all, all the crap See, we I, have. I, I just recently started having money, so I couldn't do that. <laughs> Same here, but I've started... Um, unfortunately, now that Target carries like more anime merch and pop culture merch... Okay, first of all, I'm a dub purist when it comes to Dragon Ball. Not because of Goku, because I am a fucking Vegeta simp. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if it wasn't You're obvious for me... you Chris Sabat simp specifically. 
I hated, okay. I hated my hero because I'm in the cosplay community and convention when it comes to my hero is a fucking nightmare. Mm. When I found out Christopher Sabat voice all my, I had to. It was over. <laughs> he just sounds like Piccolo to me. I'm not, not a huge fan. I like Piccolo too. Well, what I'm saying um, is yeah. I'm just kind of like, I, I was so used to like, for like only for my hero, I like the Japanese voice of All Might and I wanted something similar. I like Chris Sabat, but he did not, it, it, he, he don't got it. Not in my opinion. I just am a simp. So. He's good. No, he's a great voice actor. He just, he doesn't mm. sound like my All Might. Which is so fair. That's <laughs> such a fair consideration. But valid. I currently have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight uh, Vegeta figurines. Nice. <laughs> I have one Goku, I have one Frieza, and that's it right now. I have one on the way, but... Hell yeah. I also got a big Deku on my bed. <laughs> I haven't oh, unpacked yeah, him. I don't Deku. know where to fucking put him on my shelf, it's too busy. But I recently, now that I have like a full-time job again, because I was unemployed because of the pandemic and my lung situation, mm. figurine hoarding is a bitch. Hell yeah. But let's do our final wrap-up, because we're, we've held you hostage for, like, two hours now. <laughs> um, what are you currently watching and doing when you have time to? Okay, so the main thing I'm doing is playing uh, a lot of Final Fantasy XIV. Mm -hmm. That's, like, all I'm doing, like, all day, every day. I actually also got Guilty Gear Strive, playing a ton of that, finally labbing Milia Rage. Still getting my butt kicked by Eugene, but that's okay. Um... <laughs> And as far as watching, me and my partner have been watching two anime in particular that are just so good. Huge recommendations. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'm a Spider, So What is an amazing, like, isekai. I'm not a huge fan of isekai at all, but this one takes a really good twist of having the main character spawn into the world as a spiderling, like a level one mob, and have to grind to survive to get out of the caves, which is, like, mm -hmm. nuts. The other one I've been watching is called To Your Eternity. Uh, absolute tearjerker of an anime. It will break your heart on the first episode. It like We both cried watching it, I'm pretty sure. Um, it's about an orb that learns how to become conscious. And it witnesses so many other things live and die and learns to become, I guess, first sentient and later human. It learns humanity. It's kind of, it's really interesting. I super recommend it. That sounds really cool. I've also heard really good things about the the So I'm a Spider So Also, anime. actually, another like double reason to check it that's very topical now that I think about it. The opening for uh, To Your Eternity is sung by Utada Hikaru, who <gasps> yes! actually just announced that they are non-binary today, which is God like, bless. whoa, that's awesome. Oh, shit. Well, if you listen back to like a lot of their older music, it's kind of like... yeah. Not easy to tell, but it's easy to piece together the out. thought process like, and the feelings. Yeah, it yeah. super checks out. <laughs> Especially whenever they were talking about like all the Kingdom Hearts music that they've done with some of the lyrics, and people are like, "What is the meaning? What is this?" And like, because a lot of it can be interpreted as queer, mm -hmm. and they just went, "I don't know. You figure it out." <laughs> I'm I'm so glad they actually like announced it. It made me so happy. I know. I love that. Perfect. Thank you for answering all of our questions, and thank you for spending your time with us, and we're going to make you sit through all of our wrap-up, but your time is really appreciated. It's really nice to... Now, sorry I'm so late to join your community. It's been 
rough on the bills lately, but I'm happy to be there. I'm happy that I've now force-fed everybody else your music um, sweetly through gentle persuasion, but it's really, really nice to have you here. It's really nice to get your perspective on everything, and thank you for that, Neb. Anything? Um, Trey, what do you want to plug? Where can people find you? Oh, um, so if you are interested in following the music I do, uh, you can find my covers, originals, and more on YouTube over at youtube.com slash Trey Watson Music. That's Trey without a Y, T-R-E-W-A-T-S-O-N, music. Uh, in addition, I am also uh, a member of Pentakill, who you can just look up on the League of Legends website. I am the vocalist of Friend for a Foe, whose music you can check out at friendforafoe.bandcamp.com. Perfect. And yeah. you're under Trey Watson Music on both Instagram and Twitter? Yes. All So yeah, Trey Watson Music on you know, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all that social media garbage. And you have a Patreon? Oh, I Go do support indeed. Trey's music on Patreon. <laughs> Speaking of Patreons now, um, we're going to hurry and quickly run over everybody for our Super Saiyan tier for this month. Um, so I'd like to say thank you to Hector, Jet, Maddie, Ryan, Rai, Ray, and that's everybody for that month. Uh, for this month. Hell at yeah. least at this time. Fuck it. If I get another DM saying, like, I joined the Super Saiyan tier, why'd you say my name? Like, fuck you. Um, <laughs> you can find the podcast at Fandames Pod on Patreon, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find myself under Crown Guard Cosplay on Instagram and Little Light B on Twitter. Neb, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Nebula underscore Inky. That's I N K Y. Um, and we now get to air out all of our embarrassing DMs directly in front of Trey. Oh, the end fuck. of every episode. We give one DM uh, from the chaos that is our friendship completely out of context, and I'm going to go first. Yeah, I had to pull mine because I forgot we were going to do this bit. <laughs> Let's go. This was at 9.55 in the morning, and I just get a DM from Parks that says, oh, fuck yes, you're so cute, beat me with a crowbar. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have one for you on the fly because I forgot to take a screenshot of the one I wanted. <laughs> I, I don't know how to deal with what I say. It's a vibe, though. Man, I don't have one for you because I didn't look at them because I forgot we we're going to do yeah, this bit. Do. No, I can't on the fly because we talk so much. That's true. Well, that's my cool. bad. I get to. I get to escape it. I for thought this we week. would skip the bit because <laughs> Trey's here, but we're not. Absolutely not. That's why I pulled out the big gun. <laughs> Beat me with a crowbar. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Again, Trey, thank you for being here. This is the end of this fucking episode. Goodbye. Have a good one. <laughs>